planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Welcome to the Ever Black Podcast. On this episode, our guest is JJ Peters from D's Nuts, who have just released their latest album, You Got Me Fucked Up, and will be touring the country in support of the record this December. Now, I've got a bit of a history with this band. Way back in the day, probably about 10, 11 years ago, uh, with my buddy Richard on the Gold Coast, we would book uh, tours that would come through here for all ages, and we used to, used to have it at the... Uh, Southport RSL and then got moved to the uh, PCYC. We had heaps of bands come through like I Kill the Prom Queen, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, um, Bleeding Through, heaps of them. And one of the bands that came through uh, a couple of times was D's Nuts. So uh, I remember their first run through the Gold Coast and people loved them. So it was uh, definitely awesome to uh, catch up with JJ after all these years and uh, especially see what these nuts have uh, grown into. I mean, internationally, they are a massive and uh, always good good times live. A lot of fun, that band. I remember seeing them uh, absolutely get the place jumping at the PCYC. All the kids loved them. Now they're all grown up. <laughs> all those dudes. It was in all ages, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, excellent times, excellent times. Well, uh, you can catch Deez Nuts on tour this December, uh, kicking off on Thursday the 5th at the Crowbar in Sydney, Friday the 6th of December at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle, Saturday the 7th of December at the Foundry in Brisbane, Tuesday the 10th of December at the Transit Bar in Canberra, Thursday the 12th of December at the Jive Bar in Adelaide, Friday the 13th of December at Pelly Bar in Frankston, and then wrapping up on Saturday, the 14th of December, at Stay Gold in Melbourne. Tickets are on sale now through tickets.destroyallines.com. It's uh, going to be a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them after all this time. So, uh, And the album, the You Got Me Fucked Up, is, is also excellent. So uh, get that through all digital retailers and stores right now. Before we go into the show, we just have to give a shout-out to our show supporters, Blacklight Art Design, who are our go-to for all our screen printing needs. They do shirts, hats, patches, you name it. They can print it. They've done all our shirts and hats for Ever Black Media, and they're great guys. www.blacklightad.com.au. The show is also brought to you by our good friends at RW Promotion, who are the best in the biz when it comes to stickers, flyers, banners, badges, and all other promo you need for your band or business. Go check them out at www.rwpromotion.com.au. Also want to recommend our good friends at the new occult clothing brand, Electric Witch, that launched this week, and they have some kick-ass apparel available for uh, everybody. Go check them out at www.electricwitch.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the Ever Black Podcast through iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, and Facebook, and check out all our reviews and articles at www.everblackmedia.com. And uh, like us on all the socials. We appreciate it. All right, here is my chat with JJ Peters from D's Nuts. Enjoy. JJ, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying my morning here in Glasgow. Oh, you're all the way over there. I thought you were back in this yeah. country already. No, we'll be back. I'll be coming back in December for uh, for our run of shows. And then uh, me and my family will be relocating to Australia for the next year. So, yeah, been, I've been out in the UK for a year and then I'll be back on for a year. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Well,
uh, we're pretty pumped for this tour. And of course, uh, the new D's Nuts album, You Got Me Fucked Up, has just come out. And the response, going by reviews and fans, and I've heard it, it's just really positive, man. How's that been from yeah. uh, your side? It's been awesome. Like, it's uh, the, the, the difficult, uh, well, I wouldn't even say it's a fucking hurdle, but it's just like picking three singles from an album um, is always a difficult task. And oftentimes, like, like there's there's a obvious three that like you know represent mm. the entire album or that will possibly like you know get people's attention or whatever. But it was a really difficult task of this album because no matter how we played it, I don't think any three songs could represent the whole album because it's pretty diverse within its you know within yeah. certain you know within a certain limitation. But it's still quite a diverse album. So we put out. What we thought were three songs that would, you know, kind of show showcase like at least as much of the album as we could across three songs. But I think that kind of scared off a lot of old fans because they may have been the songs with the most melody and blah blah blah. Mm. And it kind of like got people a little shook. So the response of the first three singles was a bit scary because even though like we got like crazy streaming numbers and like the response was really positive in that sense, there was a lot of like negative feedback from people that were like, you know, you straight too far from your sound and blah, blah, blah. But then now that the actual album's out and people are hearing it in context with the whole 10 songs, I don't think I've seen a single negative comment or response uh, on any of my socials and shit, which is like pretty fucking unheard of. Like, you know what I mean? Because obviously you can't please all the people at the time. But I think even the people that were maybe a bit like pissed or confused or disheartened or whatever with the first three singles or even some of those singles, now hearing the whole album, they like even fuck with those like in context. So yeah, it's really cool, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, congrats, dude. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course, I don't think there has ever been an album called uh, "You Got Me Fucked Up." That's that's an absolute first. <laughs> well, we try, we try, we try to keep it interesting. <laughs> What's the story behind the title? Uh well, with the fact that I've got two uh, New York members of the band, like two Staten Island born and bred boys, like. You Got Me Fucked Up is a very New York way of saying, uh, you know, telling somebody in a very aggressive manner that they don't understand you or, you know, a misunderstanding a situation, which I think pertains to us a lot. Like, uh, we're a very misunderstood band. People misunderstand us as people based on the music and people misunderstand the music based on the name and people misunderstand, you know, like what types of... Uh, ideas we might have or maybe how intelligent we are as individuals based on the fact that we write party songs. So there's there's a lot of misunderstanding going on in terms of, you know, Dean Knotts uh, and its members. So I just thought it was, you know, it was a, was a name that kind of stood out to um, represent this album. Also, it's a bit of a double entendre in the fact that the, the double meaning is that, like, we've been tarred with the brush of being like the party band that, you know, led, you know, misled the youth, fucked up with our life and shit. But the, the matter is, like, we stopped writing those party songs like quite a fucking while ago. And the flip side of the coin is that we've had to live up to that fucking reputation even since we stopped writing those songs because that's what people want of us as a band. Like, that's what people come to see. And it's kind of fucked us up in our fucking, you know, in its own way. Like, so that's kind of come back to bite us. Like, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the other sort of sly double meaning of the, of the title. So the album was written and recorded in Toronto and Los Angeles where, you know, the, the last a couple, a couple were done with New York and Boston. How did the uh-huh. change of location, you know, influence the out- outcome of the record? I think hugely because, like, I believe that um, 
I believe that your surroundings like have a fucking definite and apparent effect on like you know anything that you do like whether mm. it's just your fucking mood or whether it's you know like like if if we were to fucking have written it in uh, written it in New York and recorded it in Boston again, I have no doubt in my mind that it would have come out with a very different sound in one one way or another. Even if we just like written the album in the same place but recorded it in Boston during the winter versus recording it in LA during the summer as we did. It would have had a different effect because we would have been in a different mindset. We would have been in a different vibe getting up and leaving the fucking apartment to get to the studio every day. Like all these little things, like your subtle surroundings and go outside to have a cigarette and like, you know, have a think about the song or how you're going to attack the fucking lyrics or vocals or whatever. You go outside and think about that shit for an hour in the sun in LA versus going outside and thinking about that shit in an hour in like brutal winter in Boston. It's going to be a very different result. So yeah, I think it definitely affected the album in like a positive way. I always found that interesting how environments can affect people's uh, writing. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, it man. Affects, like, like when we were doing, and I think it kind of it's one of those situations where it worked in our favor to write and record in New York and Boston during the winter for the last two albums because they were like I was in an angry place. They were aggressive albums. Like, I don't know, like, that fucking, like, wallowing in the fucking darkness and the cold kind of, like, helped bring out that sound and, like, really polish it in that way. Whereas this time around, that's not the album we're writing. We're writing something that we, it's a little bit lighter on its feet and it's a little bit more fucking positive in its delivery and it's a little bit more melodic in its aesthetic. So to do that shit in, like, Toronto in the summer and L.A. in the summer is perfect, man. Yeah? This one's got definitely yeah. a different vibe, and it, and it definitely shows. Where, where, where have you found the best place to write for you? Uh, I think I don't know. The writing process is always a difficult one, man, because like we don't like we're not like most bands in the fact that like I think most bands that have been around for as long as we have have their like set rehearsal space and their set like place to go and record and shit. We've never had that because like we've always lived in like different parts of the world and. We've never had, like, we, we come together in Germany to rehearse before a fucking tour. Like, we're about to, like, we haven't played any of these songs live yet, and we're about to go on a tour across Europe with Lionheart and Obey the Brave and Kubrick And we're pulling up uh, three days early to Estonia to, like, rehearse the new album. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I never know where the fuck we're going to rehearse the album, let alone write the album. So we've, like, always had, like, a interesting time kind of finding our feet with that shit. But... It definitely affects it. Like, when we've written the last ones in New York, I'm surrounded by, like, good friends. And, like, obviously the boys both grew up in Staten Island. So, like, every day at the rehearsal space is, like, people are just pulling up and drinking and coming and going and fucking. It's, like, a bit more of a family vibe. Whereas this time around, like, recording, I mean, writing this album was, like, in Toronto with our boy Andrew from Comeback Kids. So, like, we still had some friends there and shit, but it was, like, the, the space that we were using was kind of tucked away in a part of Toronto that people didn't come through. So we just kind of focused on ourselves and on the energy of the songs. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a different kind of vibe. Here's, here's something for you, man. I actually used to uh, help book your first shows on the Gold Coast many, many years ago. Oh, really? I don't know if you would remember a company called Music Mania. Was it the PCYC or whatever? That's like, the uh, one, bro. That's it. That's yeah, it. What? Yeah, yeah. I remember those shows for sure. It was crazy times, dude. I only I was only just talking to Richard about all that the other day, and uh, here we are, man. Looks like that's probably what yeah, over ten years. <laughs> man, well, if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't over ten years, it'd easily be like around the ten year mark, which is fucking wild. Yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, look at it all now, and uh, especially I don't know how it was 
in your part of the country at the time, and I just believe it was just when Prom Queen started touring Southeast region, you know, Straight Edge had a massive presence, especially up here. It was almost militant. Yeah, you know, we had, yeah, that was the force in like all of the sort of hardcore metal scene, I think, at that point in time. Yeah, man, it was it was crazy though. Like I just remember it sort of it, it had a bit of a there was a little bit of pocket of time there where it had, was a bit of a negative impact where these straight edge dudes were just totally against partying. But then you seemed to come in with these nuts, and the, it seemed to change a lot of that mindset. Did you see that from your point of view? Yeah, I didn't, like, I never came at it as a, because, like, just, like, straight off the top, like, some of my closest friends in the world and, like, a huge chunk of my friendship circle are still, like, edge dudes that have been straight edge for, like, going on 20 years. Yeah. And I've got a lot of and a lot of time for, like, straight edge and, like, the, you know, if you're doing it for, like, I, I wish I had the confidence in self and the fucking, like, social ability to be able to go out and not need a couple of drinks to, like, get through it. That's just not me. But anyone yeah. who can do that, I'm fucking, like, you know, more power to them. But like when I like when DN came out, I just I was singing my truth, man, and my truth wasn't that I was fucking like nailed to the edge and like fucking straight edge to death. That just wasn't me. My truth was that I loved to go out and party with my friends. But I also managed to shout out straight edge dudes on like every fucking album that I've ever done. So I wanted it to be known that there was no disrespect and I wasn't like flying my flag in the face of people who lived like a fucking uh, clean lifestyle. That just wasn't me. So like I sung about my shit. But yeah, I definitely noticed that at that point in time there was bands like the War that were like super, super militant straight edge, but we would play shows with them and like we would get love from the straight edge kids as well and like they would get love from the fucking kids that were there for us. So it was kind of like, I think it was cool to kind of show that you didn't have to fucking, like you, you didn't have to be a fucking drunk dickhead and you didn't have to be a fucking militant straight edge warrior. You could just be into what you were into and all fucking get along, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I definitely saw a change uh, in our scene on the coast, man, like it, it was sort of like everyone started to get along, and it was good. It was good, and since then, yeah. everyone's everyone's chill, everyone's happy to party together. You know, whether they're drinking. Yeah, like us, like along, like even in the early stages, we had like multiple straight edge members in like the first early like rotating lineups. Like Jamie from the Red Shaw was our bass player; he was straight edge. Like we had fucking Benjamin Quay. Uh, playing guitar, he was straight edge. You had Dave uh, from Carpathian playing drums, he was straight edge. Like, at like some points, I was like outnumbered by straight edge members. So there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's never been, never been any problem with that like, DN and the edge. That's just like, if I sung songs about that shit, that'd be weird, you know? <laughs> That's awesome, man. You know, uh, looking back at when you had this idea for this crossover, you know, did, did you ever think it would get this far? That you, here you yeah, are, touring the world, man. Shit. I wasn't really thinking anything past the demo when I made the demo. I was hoping that it was going to do something for me because I was in like a bit of a fucking weird space where Prom uh, Queen had just like disbanded like fucking, mm. you know, indefinitely. And like I'd been at that point in time, like I'd come straight out of high school, straight into touring with Prom uh, Queen for like, you know, from my teen years into my mid-20s. And then here I was all of a sudden, I'd just come off the back of like a fucking like recording in... Sweden and like touring across Europe and US and fucking all of a sudden like now I was left with my dick in my hand and like no idea what I was going to be doing for the next year and so I I just jumped into fucking like uh, jumped into my mode and decided that I didn't have time to like because I started talking to other people about doing bands and people were like yeah man I can jam like you know maybe once a week because I got work and shit and I was like no I can't like I, I don't want to work I want to just make music so I need to like do this by myself otherwise it's not going to happen 
So I just jumped in the studio with like the last couple of hundred dollars that I had to fucking like eat for the next month or whatever. And I just poured that into the demo and then into the EP and then fucking shit started popping on MySpace. And like, cause I was doing it by myself, I just started shopping it around and then got it like landed a deal with Stomp, like records that don't even exist anymore, but landed a deal with Stomp records straight away. And yeah, fucking like, thank God it like took off how it did. And then, you know, 12 years later, here I am talking about my seventh fucking studio album and like about to see the world again, you know? Insane, dude. And Europe, you're, as I mentioned before, you're about to hit Europe again and uh, they, they love these nuts over there. That's awesome. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's like always been one of the strongest markets for us, like right off the jump. And like, there's no real rhyme or reason. So it's not because like, Often you would say, like at this point, you could say that it's because we've toured here so much that we've built the fan base or whatever, and obviously that would be a part of it. But in the fucking early stages, like we got our first break here, like because our like super good homies in Bring the Horizon were about to do the album, like the first album tour for Suicide Season. And they, we just dropped our EP and they were like, fuck yeah, you guys can come out and open for us. Most bands wouldn't get that fucking like foot in the door off their first mm-hmm. EP, but we were, just, you know, I was lucky to have like, you know, good homies that like wanted to put us on. But having said that, like that didn't guarantee that people were going to like us or even fucking know us because just because we were opening to bring me. But from the very first show, it was apparent that like kids were like in the front row and fucking getting merch, screaming every single word. And I was like, damn, there's something here. Like, this isn't just, like, people haven't just fucking, like, researched this because we want to bring these kids are here to see us. Like, this is crazy. And then we did a small headliner off the back of that, like, before coming home to make most of our tickets. And, yeah, like, we we had a fucking vibe, like, straight off that first tour. And I knew that there was something there. And, like, we just kept coming back and reinforcing that and reinforcing that. And, like, yeah, now we're, like, a fucking uh, a band to be fucked with across Europe. It's cool. That is, do you have a dream tour? Like, if you could put a package together with some of your favourite bands, you know, what, what what would that look like? At this point in time, I would... Like, I've toured with so many of my favourite bands, and I'm, like, kind of, like... So I've toured with so many of my favourite bands, and also, like, I've toured with, like, all of my best friends, like, a million times over. So, like, I've ticked a lot of those boxes, and, like, at this point in my life, like, my dream package of bands probably would be made up of just like rappers whose crowds wouldn't fuck with us anyway so there'd just be a waste of time i'd just be like playing with these like rappers so i could watch them play but um if it was in the if it was in the realms of reality i would love to do a tour with uh with angels us because they're like and i think that's very much on the cards like i've spoken to them about possibilities of touring together but at this point in time like they're like probably the band that i sweat the hardest so i'm like like friends with but also like a huge 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 fan of but um that i would love to watch play every night so yeah like i'd love to do a tour with if i could do a tour right now that was with dn angel dust and a rapper called shakewell that would like tick all of the boxes for me of like the shit that i'm like really really vibing to musically right now hey you never know <laughs> <laughs> you never know yeah never know what's happening man that's awesome and uh of course i mean You've played massive festivals. You toured with all your favourite bands. You toured with your mates. What's the most memorable show or tour has it been for you so far? What's the highlight? Uh, probably, like, I think when we played main stage, like, as far as, like, things that, you know, fucking take your breath away and you're like, that's a fucking, you know, like a, a moment that's, like, burnt in your fucking memory forever. Like, we played main stage, middle of the day, uh, with Full Force Festival. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, like, 
It's usually like 70,000 plus like attendees. And we played there like main stage at around like, I think it was like three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon, like a really good fucking time slot. And like, I don't know how many people exactly are watching us, but like when you think about how many people are in attendance and the fact that we were main stage at like, uh, you know, a solid chunk of the day, like definitely upwards of like fucking 20,000, 30,000 people were like watching us at that point. And like, that was like fucking... I definitely, like, played my ass off because, like, it's a huge-ass stage and I ran back and forth like a maniac and, like, we put on a really good show. But in my mind, I was just, like, frozen, like, just, like, what the fuck is this? Like, couldn't really believe what was happening, like, in shock through the whole thing. Like, it was one of those things where you walk off stage and you're like, did we actually, did I actually do anything? Was I just stood there for that entire fucking 45 minutes? And then you watch footage <laughs> back and you're going, so, like, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, yeah, like, it was a very surreal moment and I think that was, like, a big one for me and it wasn't just that people were watching it was that like there was that many people and most of them were singing along and you know like that's like a crazy thing it's insane when that happens when you you get do you, i don't know if it happens to you man but you get those sort of on stage blackouts where you just go into uh just pilot. mode you just do it you know you just do the yeah. do the job and you walk off as you mentioned you look back and you go holy shit <laughs> that still happens. i tend to do that i tend to do that a lot and sometimes it happens as a result of, like, you know, maybe drinking too much. And those are the scary ones, because then you got to watch footage back and make sure you didn't think and fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's unreal. Uh, What's 80s Babies? I saw something on the Insta. What's that? That's an EP that I'm working on uh, with an amazing producer called Shane Rees, um, who operates out of Brisbane. And, yeah, he's, like, we've worked on a couple of songs together for my solo stuff. And then we've just really been like knuckling down like this last couple of months and putting together this like seven song EP that's like he's produced all of the beats and like um, we've just worked on the songs together back and forth over emails. Obviously, I'm situated here in Glasgow. He's over there in Brisbane. But we like talk every single day, bounce music back and forth. I keep recording bits in my kitchen. He keeps working on his studio there. And yeah, we're like putting the fucking, putting the last glasses on, like, the last track and then hopefully planning to release it within, like, the month or so. And, yeah, it's exciting, man. It's just, like, a very modern rap EP but with very obvious, um, like, 90s influences, hence the 80s baby title because, like, obviously if you're 80s baby then you were getting your musical influences from the 90s at a young age. So, um, yeah, it's, like, it's got a lot of, like, throwback sort of samples and uh, 90s, like, sort of aesthetic but... Uh, in a very modern kind of way. So, yeah, I'm excited to put it out. I'm all about it, man. That speaks to me Thank directly. You. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, fuck That's yeah. Like, like, obviously, I want to make music that appeals to young uh, young audiences because, like, at the end of the day, that's, like, you know, the longevity. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm fucking 20 years old because that's ridiculous. Like, I still got to embrace the roots of, like, music. Like, But I also love modern fucking hip-hop but I also grew up on fucking 90s hip-hop. So, you know, if you can amalgamate the two, I think that's, like, a real good recipe. I agree, and I think that's what uh, what's going to be coming next. That's got to sure. be the next step. That's the next step. For You're sure. ahead of it. <laughs> so uh, what's next for D's, man? What's what's uh, 2020 got in store for you? Uh, just a shitload of touring. Like, obviously, we're just at the start of another album cycle with this um, having just dropped. Uh, we were supposed to be playing Russia next week, but like my visa got fucked up. My visa's always getting fucked up. So we had to cancel our Russia dates. But then we have like three dates in Eastern Europe and like Ukraine, Estonia, some other spots. And then, um, yeah, then we hit like all of mainland, like well, most of mainland Europe 
with Lionheart, Kruber Khan, Obey the Brave, and a band called Ball Brawl. And then I've got like a week off to like pack my house down and fucking get ready to move to Australia. And then I hit Australia with my family. And then we do the December tour with uh, Antagonist and Born Free. And then, yeah, then we've got like a little bit of time off over Christmas and the New Year. And then it's back out of me and we've got like shit books for Southeast Asia, South America, Europe again, uh, Canada. Uh, yeah, it's like fucking summer festivals, another headliner in Europe. Yeah, it'll be fucking like, it'll be a hectic year. That's awesome, man. So good to hear. Well, the tour kicks off on Thursday, December 5th in Sydney. Tickets are on sale now. You Got Me Fucked Up is available everywhere. Get it now. Thanks for hanging, man. It was uh, good to catch up. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate you having me and uh, taking the time to have a chat about it. Yeah, man, thank you very much. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 